Hey there, this is Jason and Paul, and we encourage you to follow us on Instagram at stateofloveandtrust underscore pod, where we can continue the conversation with you. Thanks for listening. And now, let's get to the show. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The State of Love and Trust. It's a Pearl Jam podcast, and I'm one of your two hosts, Jason Carapesi. And alongside me, as always, is Paul Gillieri. Paul has scotch in his hand. I, do. I have a very dirty martini. It's so dirty that it comes with the word fuck attached. Can you imagine that? <laughs> I'm sorry. You, it's it. it yeah. It, it, hey, We're 18 seconds in. I'm already cursing. I, I apologize. I You're terrible. The, some of you have children. You took a classy beverage and just sullied it with your Oh, I, oh like, like I'm landing on the Hudson. Uh, you know, I... I apologize to those out there who have children and you put this on your, your, your speaker system. You got to provide a warning. Your hi-fi, your, uh, your home pod, your, uh, your Google home, your Alexa device. What else you got? Anything else? Marshall Stanmore speaker. I got one of those. Um, anyways, I apologize for the cursing. So kids watch your fucking ears. Okay. And, (laughs) off the rails already paul yeah you know what? J- jason is unplugged tonight yeah you know unhinged it, and unplugged I'm just, I'm just so excited i'm just so excited for for 10 months to carry on i know and here we are episode two of 10 month out of five um it's a bonus august we some we got five tuesdays it's amazing so here we are episode two last week for 10 month we started with best riffs and we also did over under which as you may have listened to was quite difficult. Yes. Is it easier for I, you, Paul? You're, you're, you're in silence here. No, I, I, uh, I, I, I think that, uh, look, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. <laughs> we'll get into um, it. So a couple of news and notes off the top here. I just want to get this out of the way before we kind of dive into the good stuff here. Uh, there are some new protocols for those of you going to the See Here Now Music Festival in Asbury Park, New Jersey. The first Pearl Jam concert back. It is not Ohana. It is See Here Now. It's in New Jersey. It's in about five weeks. Kids, if you didn't know any better, you need to get your ouchie fauci. Your Fauci ouchie. You need to go ahead and get your jabby jab. <laughs> yeah, I have not heard because, that. That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. That's what the kids are saying, I think, on the, on the, on the TikTok, on the talk tick. Um, go ahead and get your bit, your jab jab, and uh, you'll be fine. So um, follow the science, get your little vaccine there, and you're good to go. You can watch Pearl Jam and everybody else, and it's great. Moving on. That's, that's all I got to do. That's the news. Um, and I imagine, uh, I'm guessing that that's going to end up being the case for Ohana because that's the uh, trajectory. But you know what? Me and you, we're okay. We're good to go. Yeah. Right? I mean, that, that's, that, that is in our rear view mirror. Absolutely. Yeah. Good like the wrong album. It's Love it. Personal, but, but wrong still. album. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to release you from that. And we're going to dive deep on 10. Yeah. That was terrible. I apologize, guys. So here we go. Um, <laughs> one other bit of news I want to mention. Uh, are you a fan of Tom Morello? I am a fan of Tom Morello. So he has a new album coming Tom's out. That's great. Mm-hmm. called the underground fire or i'm sorry the atlas underground fire and the second track on the album 
is a cover of ACDC's Highway to Hell. And it it features two singers you may have heard of. One named a um if I'm pronouncing this correctly, Bruce Springsteen. Steen? I believe they call him El Jefe. El Jefe. Right? The Chief. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No? No? <laughs> yeah. So that guy, some old guy named Bruce, is going to be singing on the first verse, and then our friend uh Edward Jerome Vetter sings on the second verse, and then they kind of kind of you know, mix amongst themselves in the courses. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this song? Uh, first of all, that Morello solo at the end is just vintage Tom Morello. Number oh, one, Tom Bing blistering Tom, too. Loved it. But uh, I think that Eddie acquitted himself very well. He did. On the track. I, I, I thought that, uh, you know, that there was that, that it's not a snarl, but it, it's the, that, that guttural wail of his in the bite, you know, some of that was back, which is nice. But you listen to Bruce on the track. Bruce sounded good. Well, I was about to say, if you know, if I if I was close enough with Eddie, I'd probably lean over and say, Ed, like this is this is what you sound like when you don't smoke, buddy. This is this is what this is what can happen if well, you if you leave the. Uh, <laughs> I know the American spirits at home. Like he, Bruce sounded exceptional. How old is Bruce? Like sixty five. Timeless. He's up there, but the <laughs> motherfucker, and he he never sings his. He, none of his songs are in that world. So you don't ever really get to hear him sing with that bit of gusto, that no. that, that bravado from the from the from the cockles, Not you since know? the you know the, the the late '80s, man. I mean, it's uh, yeah. it's in the '90s he really kind of started just bringing it down tempo. But I I think that look, I'm not a huge Bruce Springsteen Springsteen fan. Part I'm sure that, <laughs> there, there might be a listener out there saying, "Dude, did, did you listen to anything that he did in the '90s?" <laughs> yeah, you know, I remember Secret Garden, a handful of <laughs> but. <laughs> But uh, yeah, look, the like vintage Bruce from from the early days, you know, uh, that that voice is carried over well. I mean, it's it's really he impressive. sounded good, man. Yeah, and I will say, I w- I wasn't after hearing Bruce on the first verse, and remember, they're trying to mimic Bon Scott, right? Yes, mm-hmm. which is not easy to do. I mean, that's no, it's not gravelly I mean, and just strained. And think about Brian Johnson trying to do Bon Scott. That that was a testament to himself. Yeah, but to have Bruce try and do that, and he has a relatively low voice, and he he hit the notes. Sure and so did. when it got to Eddie, I'm like, how how's he gonna come across? And I'm like, ooh, okay, not bad. You you're hitting the notes. You sound pretty decent. Fantastic. So I was impressed. For for those of you out there who may hear some songs um, on Gigaton and think, you know, can he really can he can he bring it when it when it when it needs to be brought or broughten? If you're a fan of. Uh, 90s cheerleading uh, movies. Um, to bring it on reference, by the way, for all those out there. <laughs> um, and he did. So I think kudos to you, you know, uh, Deaf Poetry Slam snaps for Edward Jerome. And uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. Pretty cool. Well, this week, guys, we are going to, we did this with Avocado because that's the other album that this exists on. Um, a a original original mix of the album versus a remix of the album. So you know, for Pearl Jam for Avocado, it was uh, the Adam Casper mix, the OG mm-hmm. mix by Adam Casper, and then the remix by our friend Brendan O'Brien. Correct. Um, now this this was the 2009 for ten, the 2009 box set. You know, obviously originally Rick Parisher was the original producer of the album. And there was a certain sound in 1991 that one uh, would be 
so inclined to use on their albums. And uh, Brendan O'Brien, many years later, said, uh, guys, how do you want this to actually sound all these years later and that you have this in your rearview mirror, to, to quote you. And, you know, Jeff at the time was like, you know what? It's a, it's a little wet for my taste. And by that, he means there's a lot of effects, a lot of reverb, especially on many of the tracks, guitars, bass, drums, and vocals. So uh, maybe peel some of that away. And so Brendan did. And he also kind of remixed some of the tracks around. And so here we are to discuss the differences in what we prefer. Now, this is obviously personal preferences, but I will say that our tastes are as refined as insert something really refined well look first of all i think it, it bears worth noting that this it is remixed by brendan but bob ludwig was the original master engineer right he's the yes. he, he's, he mastered it and he remastered the remix i believe as well as the remastering so there's of the continuity original. right so that there was continuity across the board so you got the original record with the, the produced as was, but remastered by the same engineer who mastered the first time. I think time. that's key for this. And then, yeah, exactly. And then, then you have Brendan's remix, which is also remastered by Bob Ludwig. Okay. So you, you do get that continuity. Um, when I first heard the remix, uh, I was very torn on it. There, there were, there were parts of it that I really enjoyed that stood out and continued to do so. And there were parts of it that I felt, underwhelmed and uh i don't want to call it a turnoff but i mean it look you take an iconic album that just has just made an indelible impact on so many people and you mess with in any way shape or form especially remixing an album and you make it sound different i think it's going to create a polarizing effect you know for for many people they're going to listen to it and say this is not the record that that i grew up loving you know this is not the sound that defined what 10 was to me I think it depends on how old you are too. That's true. But on the flip side, the band recognized that. And so I think they released the two versions remastered. And then of course, the Brendan remix as well to honor that sentiment, you know, to acknowledge the fact that some people love that original sound and and that shouldn't be lost in the translation here. But when you listen to verses, I think after hearing the remix that Brendan does, you can see a different level of continuity now because you can see how the sound of 10 yep. evolves into verses because it, it's, it's mixed in such a different way. I think when verses came out, it caught me off guard, man. I mean, it, I wasn't used to hearing Pearl Jam make sound like that. It was, I mean, you had a few songs here and there, you know what I sure. mean? Um, some, some of the, the, the B sides off 10, but for the most part, what I grew up listening to it, I heard an album that came out that didn't have all the reverb and the effects and, and the swells. And, and I just wasn't prepared for it at first. And so it actually took a little bit of um, acclimating on my part with verses, believe it or not. Uh, but I do know there's a lot of listeners that when they heard the remix, they just absolutely adored it and said, this is the way it should have sounded all along. And, and I know mem- the band feels that way as well to, to, to some degree. Um, but I will say this, uh, we should go through the songs together because I feel as though, and we don't have to spend too much time on each one, but there are places where um, the, the remix really thrives and excels and soars. And there are other places where it just seems to, to, to muddy something that many felt was muddy before, but in retrospect, 
after listening to the remix, you almost want to go, go back into that, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, it was, um, it was an interesting experiment. I mean, like I said, we did this before with avocado and I approached it the same way where I would basically start on the original, listen for about 30 seconds and then go back to the new version, listen for the same 30 seconds and kind of go through the song in like 30 second chunks at a time back to back to see what was different. Um, did I like it? Did I prefer the original? Um, what made, you know, why maybe did the, the Brendan O'Brien change this thing from what Adam or Rick did the original time around? And then think about the, the time gap because, you know, 10 was 91 and the remix was 2009 where Avocado was 2006 to 2017 for the remix. So a bit of a shorter amount of time to make those changes, to think about a different state of mind. So let's go through it. Um, what I'm going to do uh, underneath what we're, what we're saying is I'm going to play um, one of the versions of the song underneath what we're playing. Um, and you will be able to hear uh, either the original or the uh remix and i'm curious to see based on how we're talking if you can just pick it out um so maybe in the comments uh of this of this uh episode you can let us know what you think based on how we're talking about it if you can tell which version uh we are playing underneath us talking so we have to start off with um with master slave obviously into once and for me um the guitars and this is going to be a theme of course of course of course of course i mentioned it before the guitars are drier they're drier on the redux the bass is more present in the mix um there's a point at which ed kind of says or yells yeah uh and in the early on in the song in, in bob I, I i'm saying bob but i mean Brendan o'brien but you'll hear me say bob a lot bob um moves this from the right channel to the center why who the fuck knows but this is the kind of thing that Brendan does a lot throughout this, this album. Now, Rick Parisher definitely tried some things, okay, throughout the album. And one of those things is panning Ed's little vocal sounds and adding little effects. That's yeah, not echo effects. You, yeah, you, these you little hear. echoes, these little Which slides. I loved. And on some of these tracks, they're indispensable to me. Absolutely. But it, it, but it depends where it comes need from. It, it depends yeah. where it is. Now, if we move to Mike Solo here in once, it's, it's way more in your face on the Brendan O'Brien remix. And funny enough, in the original mix, you can clearly hear Ed's little spoken word. You know, you think I got my eyes closed. I'm looking right at you right. the whole fucking time. You can hear that way more obviously on the Perisher, the original version. Whereas the Brendan O'Brien remix, it's panned way to the right. It's much harder to make out because it's fighting the guitars. This might seem silly. But I always thought this was the cool moment where the subject felt vulnerable in his honesty, as opposed to just angry and blasting it out in the verses and choruses. And it gets lost in the Brendan O'Brien version. So endings are very are very similar for me. Um, overall, the song is punchier and drier and more direct uh, in the Brendan O'Brien remix. But it's interesting the, the points at which Brendan chose to really change things up and why. I mean, yeah. what, what do you think? I think uh, I like master slave with rick's effects i think that it, it does a really nice job of kind of setting up this this out of body experience if you will but when those guitars cut in with once i think having that drier aggressive just rip in works much better in the way that that brendan 
mixed these. Uh, I agree with you in terms of looking at the way Ed's vocals come across. For, for the most part, the vocals are far cleaner in the remix across the board, uh, which I think really helps, especially in, in the next song, which we'll get to in a second. But, uh, you know, you, you take a song like Once, and it's one of the few songs on the album, and I think that the reverb and some of these, these echo effects seem to really kind of muddy and, and just blur a lot of those sounds. And, and I think you've got all these layers happening and you, you don't really get a chance to, to hear the nuance. And this new mix cleans that up a little bit in a song like Once. And I think it really elevates the, the, um, the, the, the way that it hits. So I, I actually prefer the effect of listening to the remixed version for what the song is intended to produce, which I think is, is a very aggressive, just punch you in the mouth way to open an album. Yeah, I think I agree. I think I prefer the Bob remix as well uh, because of the kind of song this is. I think it demands a more direct approach. So I think I'm there with you. I think yeah. um, as we go into even flow here, well, um, this one loses me. This is this is an is an interesting one because this is a a bigger profile song than once is. Yeah. And, now, uh, go ahead. Finish the thought. I was just gonna say so. Um, and as, as always, guys, you know, uh, honesty is my is my biggest thing here. I, I had notes on all these songs, and I just want to make sure that we kind of hit some of these things because as I'm listening to these songs, there are some interesting little details that kind of pop up that I would definitely forget, and I want to get Paul's take on these things. So bear with me here. So Brendan, he simplifies the panning on this song. Instead of starting with Stone Slide down for the 15th, down, 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 in the middle like Rick Parisher does. He keeps the guitar panned where it always is on the right. Now, if you like the live to tape kind of feel, the the single version, we mentioned it last week, the single version or the... Or the That's my viewer, favorite. You know? That, that, the, this, the single version exactly. where Ed comes in, wah! And then exactly. you get the... The, that, the way that I think that's is, produced yeah. and mixed is more, uh, what I said, live to tape. It's less yeah. produced. Um, then you're going to prefer the Bob version. Now, Rick Parisher really did pan and elevate the backing vocals in the chorus. It's really, really uh, obvious. Yeah, well, yes, but there's some cool, the, those echo effects with Ed's voice, the swelling in and out, yes. I think works really well in this song, especially near the chorus. So that's an element that I've always loved. And to me, it was a definitive quality of even flow. That's the thing is for certain songs on this album, you, you become used to signature parts of songs. Yeah. And that could be I one needed of them. that. Yeah, I, I needed work. that personally. Now, Brendan, um, he made those harmonies more subtle. And this is something that we remembered from Avocado. Brendan would, I think we'd, we agreed, generally made most songs on Avocado sound better. But he often lost the little things that made songs unique. Yeah. And I think he does this again a little bit here. He he makes those harmonies more subtle. And I think, I think both can work, but I'm more inclined to lean on the the parisher version like you said um at least here i mean yeah it, it's it's it, tricky. it's funny i i hear ed saying hey man you got a dollar oh that's some spirit change there you mm -hmm, I, mm -hmm. I hear that little exchange of, of these two personas these two characters that he puts into the song of which he adopts the voice of both but yeah uh, i i hear that clearer and louder on the brendan mix than i do on the original which is actually. great so that it's quite, it's actually a bit of a contrast to what you right. were saying in once. Exactly. Um, so the, the choices that, that Brendan makes is interesting. Second verse, Mike's little solo fills when Ed's vocals are panned left, right, left, 
uh, on the OG version. Bob keeps them all left on on his version. Again, this goes back to the live tape feel. It makes you feel like you're listening to a live cut where Mike's always left, Stone's always right. You can't get confused. Now, if you don't care about that kind of feel, then maybe this either doesn't maybe maybe it doesn't bother you. Um, well, Stone Stone's pretty loud on this this he track is. here, he this, with, which I like to a degree. I, mean, I thought that was that was pretty cool, especially when you get you know somewhere around like 315 3:30 somewhere around there in the song yeah i think i think i prefer brendan keeping the the guys in their channels um since those are always played by mike they should kind of be in mike's channel i tend to gravitate towards that um and let stone's riff kind of uh kind of sit on its own um because i think when he starts panning it back and forth it kind of overshadows stone's riff when it's mm, on top yeah. of it um, the solo isn't much different either way, aside from the usual ad reverb, like I mentioned before. And I think the song ends in pretty much the same manner. But so, do you think it's got a good combination of the two of them? If you would, you want to combine the two versions? Or I think so. I, I think that there's there's certain those echoey swells with, for the vocals. I think work really really well. I actually I love the opening with Ed on the single version. Right. Um, so I, I and that's really stripped down. I, I I feel like it's it's really a combination of the three to be perfect you're frankly. right i'm i'm totally with you totally with you which sounds bizarre when you it's it's arguably one of the top three to five greatest pearl jam songs ever period yeah. and, and here we are like saying well the best version is probably a combination of three different versions as opposed <laughs> to having one to fit it's like god well, you can't the, we just can't win with these guys no nope. it's just nope. they're never satisfied <laughs> that's our job here paul <laughs> we are going to move on to insatiable. This is the, this is going to be, it doesn't get any easier, Paul. We're, we're on a live now. For me, both intros sound quite similar. They I think um, Brendan pull again pulls back on some of the reverb. I think although Bob has split some of the rhythm guitars, usually uh, the mic strumming thing is left, and it sounds like there might be a really quiet acoustic guitar down the middle, which I didn't here for the longest time and so i'm actually happy be uh, for the brendan remix because of that the the choruses sound pretty much the same outside of the usual reverb stuff that i mentioned the bridge sounds for me more powerful on on the brendan remix the guitars sound fuller you might like the dynamic shift in the original i don't i like how it's kind of stays up um the interludes both come down which i like they sound very similar and then the little vocal break in the solo is slightly different where Mike's solo underneath is a little bit more audible on Rick Parrisher's. But other than that, the solos are fairly similar too. So imagine like the most massive song in the catalog. Brendan didn't do a whole lot here. No, he didn't. Um, maybe, maybe that was the right move. Uh, well, I mean, there's sometimes you have to kind of look and just say, hey, th this, this one was done fine it was done yeah. well not fine finds an adjective but it was done <laughs> it was done well enough where uh there's no need to you know if it ain't broke don't fix it exactly right now, again some could sit make the same argument for even flow but there's a lot more of that perisher influence in even flow with those those uh, the reverb and the echoey vocal dynamics I, yep. I think that if you wanted to make some conscious choices to remix that song there that's a song where maybe i can imagine in brendan said he, he listened to that song for decades and he thought, God, I wish they would have just done it this way. <laughs> and, and sure enough, you know, maybe the band agreed and and, uh, and that's the version that we get here. But with yeah. Alive, it, 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 it's pretty close, I think. I don't hear a lot. Yeah, 
I, I think it was the one of the top two songs as far as that had little to do uh, between the two versions. Correct. Now, Why Go? Um, I th- actually think I like the more reverb-soaked drums. Oh, especially the, the, the way they come in at the beginning. I agree with you. Um, I think I like the tone of the drums better from Brendan's mix, but I think I like the overall sound of the drums with the reverb on Parisher's mix. Um, and funny enough, usually Parisher's mix is the one where we get those funky pans of guitars and, and, and sounds. We mentioned it on once. Yeah. Not the case in this version. The beginning before the verse kicks in, Bob has Mike and Stone going back and forth, right and left. You know, I can't. I can understand it here because those guitars squeals and wah flutters, and they're meant to illustrate madness and chaos. So I get it here. And ordinarily, I prefer the more live to tape feel that Parisher ha- happens to have going on here. But I think the chaos works. So I, I think that the the back and forth craziness panning wise which is not usually a bob thing a brendan thing i'd like it what do, what, what did you think about the opening there I, I, i'm with you i i uh i still prefer the drums in the original i just yeah. think that there's that, that they seem to there's a gravity to them mm-hmm. because of those effects and uh there's no other song like it on the album that just comes in with with that singular sound of of, of the beat you know what i mean i mean it, there are not a lot of rock tracks that open that way um you know most bands will have a couple in the catalog of just you know just come in with the drums and then we'll bring the card the, the, the guitars and bass in afterwards uh, yeah, i mean even zeppelin one of their most iconic tracks on the levy breaks does mm-hmm. that that's but it's not like you hear that a lot you know so I, when you f- do hear it from a band, um, it's really hard to separate the first way you heard it and, yeah. and then embrace another way. And, and I think if, if you take John Bonham out of the bathroom, the way we took you out of the bathroom, Jason, <laughs> you just don't sound the same anymore, man. So. I'm not in the bathroom tonight, guys. Yeah. yeah. Why well, sound the way I do? Well, the verses sound very, very similar um, for me in the in the chorus the pre-chorus if you'd like um brendan again flips what parisher does um rick parisher has ed's vocals dripping in reverb the whole album but makes them really dry when it's just ed singing the chorus at that band break brendan does the opposite ed is dripping with echo at the band break and goes back to dry during the second verse i like both versions of this so i don't even know what to say what, what my preferred version would be they're just so there's inverse relationships yeah it's interesting it's one of those songs where there's there's aspects of it that seem to really work in the original and then there are parts of it that really seem to to shine on the remix i agree for me though it's always going to be that that opening beat in the same way on avocado you you think it was the the intro for inside job that if that's not done well it it that's not that it kills us all for me but i don't want to listen to that version because of that you know what I mean? Wow, interesting. The, the, the original version of Inside Job, I thought that, that the intro was mastered and mixed perfectly. On the front and, of the original. And there, yeah. there was a, you know, and we talked about this, how yeah. I felt that way in terms of, of the balance between the instruments and, and the volume and the levels. And I think a lot, of, especially the, the the drums and the piano got lost there. So I feel as though Why Go is a similar case where um, I'd rather just have the original because the, the opening to me works and, and that carries the rest of the track for me well just to finish this song off um second chorus very similar both producers kind of do the same thing with the backing vocals um the solo is interesting rick parisher pans it uh right and doubles doubles certain phrases on certain 
on double certain phrases and uh, down the middle with delay and reverb. Uh, Brendan completely loses those. He just keeps mic left, totally stock. I think most of the time I like that stripped down louder tape feel, like I mentioned before. I think I'm making that known uh, after four songs here, but I think I prefer that um, slightly over the top production on on Parisher's version here. So again, to your point, back and forth as things change i kind of find myself going back and forth and liking different parts of this but it's hard to start a song so uniquely with a drum beat and not think that's the way the song should be so yeah that's torn torn let's go to black though uh your favorite song of course as we all know yeah the intro right out of the gate is different that that bad radio effect on stone guitar is lessened by a lot and that's immediately apparent what was your thought on that i did not like that at all (laughs) Uh, i loved that that analog you know that 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 old record in in the corner of a room and you being in another room and i I just uh, man i i I remember the first thing i noticed when i listened to this yeah yeah i was it was disappointing to me oh man i mean it uh it's a uh, yeah. It look. It, it's an effect, but it was, it was a, a memorable effect. And and I thought that you know the, the sentimentality of the song, that plays well. Mm-hmm. That old record. You, you don't know, think it sounded dated? If you listen back to it, that that effect may have sounded dated. No, not Even at all. I, I, okay. Again, you know, when I listen to it, it, it sounds like a record playing on an old machine. You know, an, mm-hmm. an old player. In, in the corner of another room that you're not even in and it's just distant and you know the windows are open and, and you kind of hear it and it, it there, there's a little bit of a reverb quality to it and uh i loved it i thought it, it actually it did a wonderful job of symbolically setting up the tone of this wistful um remembrance and and, and the struggle that comes with with loss and uh and the inability to move forward and, and w- when you when you don't set it up that way anymore it's it, it, the song is now different. I mean, I uh, I'm not a huge fan of this remix, especially Ed. Okay, so this is the one song where <laughs> I know I'm bouncing all over the place here. This is the song where those those vocal echoes work very very well, especially at the end during Mike's solo. I mm-hmm. feel that that it, Ed's voice becomes an instrument in a lot of ways. That that the, the the way it kind of swells and carries and in. And, and, I Brendan didn't lose all of that. He did, in which it, but it's jarring now because when yeah. after you have that 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 lyrical piece where he says, "I know someday you'll be a star," I, I'm sorry, I, I know you'll be a star in somebody else's sky, but why can't it be mine? You then you start getting that reverb quality, and it's slowly kind of added in, but it feels as though it's. I was grateful that he didn't cut it away completely, but it's not present really in the rest of the it's, song it's, in a way. It's that's quite notable. different, Paul. Um, it's actually the, the very last note that I have here, and it's I'm, I'm I don't want to spoil it, uh, but I I think I agree with you. Um, <laughs> I want to bounce back to the beginning of the song real quick uh, because the whole thing with that intro, the bad radio effect, whatever you want to call it, the it's weird because both stones guitar and ed are panned hard left on both versions and it's jeff's like um that harmonic uh slide he does on his fearless bass that kind of brings the whole band present and for a long time and this is this is the fact with the whole album really for a long time i really preferred brendan's more straight ahead approach um but listening back i think i agree with you i think i preferred at least the beginning 
I prefer the Perisher effect, if you want to call it that. Now, so far, um, this song, I think, has benefited the most from, I think, the way Bob has not necessarily added or removed, but the way he has separated, separated the instrumentation. I think that's the biggest thing that Brendan did, is he was able to say, hey, there's an electric organ, or, or, or I'm sorry, electric piano, organ, whatever the hell it is, um, Sto- Stone's guitar, Mike's fills, Jeff's bass, um, they all have a, a more... Um, they all contribute to the overall composition. The, exactly. They're more, they have a more defined space in the mix on, yeah. on Brennan's version than on Rick's version. I think beyond that, and I think, well, I should say in the chorus, the, when the distorted guitars come in, I think because of that, um, that spacing of those instruments, I think those sound better, whereas they sound a little bit too, um, they kind of get in the way on the Perisher version and, and during the choruses. I find it a little distracting. But this is kind of where it um, begins and ends for me when it comes to Brendan's remix. And I think having that that separation is a massive plus. But once you get past past that, um, I'm with you. I mean, I think I think Brendan slowly rides the fader away from from Mike Um, in the outro. I think he blends Ed's vocals with the piano and the do 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 part. he, and, he, and and spoiler alert, spoiler alert, he does this similarly in Jeremy in the next track, where he just kind of he loses some of those extraneous vocals that kind of add some layered effect. And in this song, you can't do that. I think Rick got it right. I, I, I generally don't like the oversaturation and reverb, but in this song, that that depth, that depth really would have helped the separation of instrumentation that Brendan did. So again, for me, it's, it's almost like a combination of the two, but so much of it belongs to Rick because the outro is so important. Agreed. And I think, you know, the, the issue with the outro is that, that I've always had with the original is I, I wanted to hear that solo clearer. You know, it's, it, it's, there's so much happening with the effects that you, you almost have to strain to hear what Mike's playing. Um, and, and he, I, I do he feel brings that it to the forefront, Brendan does, does. But, he, but he does it at the expense of Ed's vocals. And then you can't, Correct. you just can't do that. Correct. And, and I think that was what, that was the, uh, the trade-off that I didn't want to see happen. Yeah. So it's, I, I'm more of a fan of the original than I am the remix with this one. Okay. Going to Jeremy here, guys. Um, just intro. Perisher definitely, this is weird. He definitely ups the volume on Jeff's bass harmonics more so than the rest of the riff, whereas Brendan lets it all kind of live evenly. Um, a bit of production trickery from Rick Parisher there. Now, once the whole band kicks in, Brendan really makes Jeff the focal point. The guitars almost disappear to a point, which is yeah. weird because there seems to be some really cool like tremolo or vibrato effect uh, or something on them in the Parisher mix. And I can't tell who it is or what it is but they're still there but it's they're they're clean and they're simple and they're simple they're simple and they're pulled down in volume and 
it just it, it really changes the dynamic of that first part of the verse. Now, when the guitars really kick in in the pre-chorus, both mixes handle it similarly, um, although they pan the stone fill differently. Parish or right, uh, Brendan uh, left, and I don't think I ever really noticed the acoustic guitar in the chorus of this song. Yeah, which I like until this exercise. It's, it's really cool. It's <laughs> I mean, you, you, it's very vague. I think in the original, and Very. you don't really pay attention to it because it's much. on top. It's on top of one of the other guitars. Yeah, you don't really hear it too well. Um, you can tell it's buried, and he keeps it pretty heavy on on both sides. Whereas Brendan strips um, the gained up guitars from the right channel, leaving that solely for the acoustic. Stone's chorus riffage thing moves to the left channel by itself. It's very interesting, very dynamic to hear it that way when it's not totally grunged out. Which was, I yeah. think, I think Rick did the style of the time kind of thing in the mix for this particular moment now the second verse same as the first um the guitars tripped of their effects but this time one clean guitar is doing a lot more little fills and whatnot and they aren't as noticeable um in the rick perisher mix which i i i, I want to hear those little things yeah but those little things i think actually help which is why i don't understand why in the first first Brendan basically removes those from from the mix. They're, they're so low you can barely even hear them. It's very strange. Um, go ahead. I was just gonna say. I mean, it. it the ending for me is where. And, yep. Mm-hmm. You know, which I think is where you're headed. But it, Eddie's climactic moment. You know, Jeremy spoken, spoken, spoken. Class today, and he holds that note today. I never loved the video version of, of that only because you, you get the, the extra layer of his voice that kind of goes up and down and up over the top of that. Mm, yeah. I was never a fan of that. Like I know that. some people loved it. I, I never liked it. I, I think I love the way he just holds that note and it just carries and it, it's just so full of emotion. And it, I feel like it, it that was the moment in the song where everything he was singing about just kind of comes out in this wail of angst. Yeah. And it just personified the speaker to me on so many levels. And I don't know, it, it the remix just, it doesn't allow that to happen anymore, whereas the, the original one did. And so that, that singular moment alone to me makes me prefer the original. I'm, I'm mostly with you. Um, once they get to that um, try to erase this, yeah. that, that interlude part, um, once that happens, I think I really appreciate what Brennan does because he kind of, he makes it, he makes it really simplistic. He makes it really direct. He lets the music do the talking and doesn't try to overproduce it. However, the last two minutes after that point, um, Parisher's mix kills it for me. And Brendan pulls out, you know, Brendan pulls out so many cool Easter eggs, little fills, little vocal riffs. You know, he removes the swirling panning effect on one of Ed's vocal lines. Yeah, which I thought which was neat. It's so cool. And again, uh, like I said earlier with, uh, what was the Chaos song? Um, oh, yeah, the beginning of Why Go. Mm-hmm. So the, the same thing with Why Go, where the you had Brendan doing that swirling effect. He doesn't do it here in Jeremy. And this is the time that you want that. You want the overproduced crazy swirling effect. I mean, think about fucking retrograde. Imagine if Brendan redid retrograde. Are you kidding me? You'd have you hear three guitars and you would not have the massive oomph and crazy big, you know, expansion of emotion and whatever you want to call it. Um 
up into the sky. You wouldn't have that with Brendan because he'd keep it real simple and real, you know, quote unquote rock and roll. So Rick's version for me is is just it, it's the preferred version. He does a better job of showcasing the chaos. He does. I think uh, much like with Even Flow and Why Go, there's just a lot of back and forth in terms of where each version wins, but the part of the song that matters to me the most, mm-hmm. I hearken back to the original. In, yeah. in Why Go, it was the, the, the opening drums track, and uh, in, uh, in Jeremy here, it's just the way Ed holds that note, and I, I just think so much gets lost when you, when you don't retain that, so... Yep. Maybe it's cheap and I'm being petty. I don't know. No, but no, that's no. Just, that's no. At, at the end here, I think we're going to touch on, on why those things are, are so important to focus on. Um, first though, we've got Oceans. Uh, subtle differences at the top here. More of the usual with the lack of reverb on the Brendan remix. Um, but he's also pulled the guitars back and I think he let Jeff shine a little more, which is cool. That's fine. Um, I think Brendan also lets Ed shine more. Uh, the guitars are more pristine, they're clear, but they don't impede into Ed's space um, as much as Rick Parrish's. The timpani drums uh, also sound much better on the Brendan remix. I think overall the drum sound is better on the Brendan remix, but Brendan is known for having a great drum sound, so that's no surprise. That right. doesn't mean that effect-wise, as we, as we pointed out on my go, that it, it couldn't be improved on. Um, Brendan also rips out a guitar fill in the bridge and removes a major vocal effect on Ed in the second verse, which was, for me, um, I don't know that I ever loved it necessarily, but it was a very um, signature kind of moment in the song, and I got really used to that um, all these years, so to hear it without that is stark. And I think the theme of the song, you can make an argument that the effect plays, um, but I'm, I'm generally not a big vocal effect guy, so I'm a little torn. I, I gotta go back and forth on this. And I also think that all the vocals on the outro kind of stand out more on the Brendan remix, whereas they seem to get kind of lost amongst themselves on Perisher. And again, that's a theme for me on this is that Brendan does a great job of separation. That's mm. the biggest thing, uh, and I'll come back to this later, but that's the biggest thing he does on this song is the separation um, of the instrumentation and the vocal layers. How, how do you feel about Oceans? A lot of the same sentiments. I actually like the vocal effects in the original mm. on that second verse. Anyway, um, they're very pronounced on that yes, verse, which I, I always thought was a really interesting choice. Um, wasn't never understood it, and I, I suppose because I didn't understand it. That, that was my point. I was like, what? What was the point of them beyond yeah, just sounding like yeah. you're underwater? I, I yeah, which I liked. I thought it was cool, but I I also think that I mean, it isn't necessarily imperative mm-hmm. to the success of the composition either it was more of an accent if you will so i'm with you well let's go to porch um only subtle differences at the top of the uh, top of the song here yeah parisher opts for the harmonic guitar swells to kind of alternate channels and then bounce back and forth the third time whereas brendan kind of keeps them on on the right i think the guitars are separated better in the brendan mix again i'll come back to that and it feels like there are three of them distinctly. They don't feel it to be kind of overlapping themselves. This continues through the chorus and into the interlude. The guitars are much more present without dripping in reverb like they, like there were on the Parisher uh, mix. Um, definitely hits harder. I dig that. And uh, not much difference on the outro. I think overall, this song 
probably had the least changes to it from one to the other beyond the general theme of stripping reverb thoughts i agree i feel that uh, this was the track that doesn't need the reverb i actually think um being just clean and stripped down you know this is one of those tracks that i'm not saying it belongs on, on an album like versus it doesn't but when, when you listen to porch and i think it was randy who put this up on uh, the podcast facebook page where, where you know porch there were two versions of it that mm. showed up you know like what's the seminal live performance of a right. song for for pearl champ it's no coincidence that porch is it's so memorable life i mean I, it, it's hard to visualize the song without seeing the band on a stage somewhere mm-hmm. um and so i feel as though hearing it cleaner seems to replicate that experience of, of what it would sound like live to a degree and if there was a song on the album that, that could be completely devoid of effects and s- probably be a superior version it would be this one yeah, I um, I totally agree, and I don't I don't recall if uh, on our better live than studio edition we did porch, but it definitely is one of those songs that uh, it it lives in the live world, and so to have a version of the studio version sound more akin to that, I agree. I think it makes yeah. more sense. This is next, this next song is great. This next song is Garden, and. We spoke about this song last week as the most underrated song on the album. We talked about how we thought that, um, and we meaning you and I, and then Sergio and Luis from Black Circle all agreed that basically the main two riffs in this song are maybe top five of the album. So basically the point is Garden's a fucking awesome song and we should be talking about it more. We're going to talk about it right now. And the thing with this song is man that opening riff right and i i think i think that you have convinced me uh on garden a little bit um that intro picking pattern that a minor thing that we talked about that we both really love uh i think it does sound better tripping and well, well i mean just let, we we analyzed this song we did i believe i think we you know and, and we talked a lot about its connections to to war mm-hmm. to um the feeling of loss of helplessness there's something about that garden of stone that reverb effect it it puts you in the graveyard it puts you in that transient space in between worlds it's the the one song that you know really that droning effect it truly has an impact on the listener and it takes you somewhere else and when you take that away it's just this clean electric and and it, it at that point in time to me it it's not the same song anymore. It really isn't. And so I, I, it's not that I can't even listen to the remix version. I just have a strong preference for the original for that reason. This is a theme, right? So this is one of those unique standout, you know, red flag highlighter moments of a song that, that when you think about the song, you think about the riff or you think about that moment. And I agree with you. I think the eeriness is elevated in the OG mix um, and, and Brendan stripped it away. Now there is more to the song, of course. And I think for me, I had to try and balance my, my strong feelings of that with the rest of the song. So I'm going to try, here we go. <laughs> I think, I think Ed's vocals um, shouldn't be brought up as high as they were in the Brendan mix. The whole, and I, I mean, 
I mean, the very, very beginning. The she don't want her here. Yeah. She, that whole thing. There's a reason why Rick made it almost inaudible because it wasn't meant to be truly heard. It was meant to be almost implied before he got to the part where you can actually hear him. And Brendan brought all those things up as if it was on the same level. I think that was a mistake. Now, to be fair, I was always trying to figure out exactly what he was saying. And so it was obviously easier to do that once I heard it better. But now that I've heard it, I want I want to hear it the way that Rick did it, where it was kind of like a like a pre a preverse. Um, yeah. And but that said, the chorus for me is superior on the Brendan on, remix. On, yeah, I, that part I do agree with. The guitars, they hit harder. They're more raw. I think it suits the song better to have that dichotomy of the raw, heavy guitars and the eerie, reverb-soaked, clean part. Um, also, I think Jeff does so many cool things within this song, and you can barely tell on the Rick mix. So that's a big no-no for me because he does so <laughs> many really cool little like bass slide harmonic things. Yeah. Again, fretless bass. Um, really really cool stuff and then of course the the bridge swing riff that sergio loved had in his top five was one of my honorable mentions um it, it's different rick parisher allows jeff to kind of be the one to own that swing part of the riff and the guitars kind of just follow with the chords brendan thickens the guitars up makes them one with jeff and everyone does the swing part that do 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 I think because Jeff does so much around the guitars elsewhere, I don't mind that Jeff Stone and Mike are layering each other on this part. It does change the dynamics for only that one riff, but I think it's okay for me. How, how do you feel about that section? Because it is very different than, than the main riff. It is. Um, I think the second half of the song, I personally think Brendan doesn't, he acquits himself well. I, I think he, he does a great job of taking a sound that the people were very familiar with and tinkering and and he executes it well uh, the intro obviously i'm, I'm at yeah. odds with and we talked about that but yeah i think i think you're right i think for the most part once things get heavy and stay heavy including the solo for the most part brendan does a great job with it um again the drum sounds especially during the solo because the solo is so it's so minimalistic you have um you have Stone doing his thing very lightly in the background. He's just kind of yeah. setting the mood. Jeff is there. The drums are so present that that Brendan's drum producing shines in the moment. And so it really helps um, kind of fill in the gaps for Mike doing it his does. solo. But you know, going through the rest of it, it gets heavy again. And I think Brendan does a great job. So there's one of those moments where it's like, yeah, I would say most of the song, Brendan does a great job. But because... The thing that you remember most about the song is that main picking a minor riff, and it's yeah. so it's much absent. better from Rick. It is, yeah. Ugh. All right, two more songs. Let's go to Deep. This one's tricky for me. <laughs> go ahead. What did you? No, I was going to say. I mean, I, I, there was nothing that stood out to me about the original that I was I had a great affinity for necessarily. Um, it's arguably, you know. It, the, the, the weakest song on the album I think mm -hmm. by and large I mean I, I think if you rank all the songs on the album for the most part this one would come in towards the bottom of most people's lists that doesn't mean it's not a great song I, I love the track but uh, 
I think that the the new version just kind of lets it rock out a bit more. You know, it, it just kind of says we mm-hmm. don't need to play around a lot with effects, yep. and it's just you know. And if you think about what the song's about, I think it it's in, it it does a nicer job of representing the the just the dirty rock of the era, the grunginess of it, and and not trying to play around with it too much and add swells and effects and things like that. So I, I do prefer the newer version here. I'm with you. I think this is a song that that Rick tried to add a lot of weird little effects uh, and by that I mean like you know these weird whammy right? like whoa, 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 right. things and then he'd pan them crazy and these little swells um, he did that all over the song and when I listened to Brennan's remix and he removed pretty much all of them I didn't miss him I didn't miss him yeah. it, it wasn't like Why Go or the back end of Black or Jeremy where I did miss them like it added to the atmosphere this is one of those songs with or the, this is one of the songs that doesn't need that. It's it's straight up. It's like porch. Just give me what you got. Yeah. Um, again, Sergio's favorite riff was the double slide riff, and it sounds great on the Brendan remix. Uh, he, he puts Ed at the forefront, very dry in your face. I think it suits the song. And you know, when it comes to the outro, I think you know there are some weird pick scrapey things and whatever that that may help out, but. At the end of the day, that doesn't really save this for Rick. I think I think Brandon does a great job of updating what might be the most dated sounding songs on the album. I think you might say Jeremy is. I think it's deep, and I think Brandon's remix kind of brings it into a more modern um, arena. Yeah, I think uh, of if there's a track on this album that seems to work well as a bridge to verses, it's this one. And when you mm. clean it up the way that Brandon did, it it seems to serve that purpose exponentially so well let's finish things off with release here um some effects were removed and the guitars were separated better at the top of this one on the brenda remix i I hear i hear more of ed's moaning um before the lyrics kick in too Mm -hmm. on the brenda remix the first verse is really quite similar uh, on the two mixes I, i would say that ed sounds overall bigger on the Brendan remix, but the instruments kind of sound pretty similar. And I think that, you know, as you said with um, Porch, I think Brendan heard this one and said, you know what, Rick, I think you kind of did it okay. And just did some minimalistic tweaks of Freebird and kind of called it a day. What do you think? I think so too. Um, If there was a song on the album that really seemed to live in a space and it just doesn't really leave it, very often it's this song and Mm. and i think brendan said well if i take it out of that space it's it's entirely a different tune now so he did a really nice job of kind of making tweaks where he felt it could enhance the quality of the listening experience uh elevating um ed a little bit more since it's it's such an ed-centric song based on you know the, the, the personal attachment and connection that he has to the subject of the track and so i think in that respect he did a, a very faithful remix well we are at the end of the album so final thoughts here um i think there are definitely moments and maybe a song or two that rick's era specific sensibilities enhance the music i think we established that i think overall the more direct classic rock approach from brendan 
tilts it a little bit for me. Um, there's a reason that Brendan is as legendary as he is. And I think this is the reason why he's worked with so many bands, remixed so many Pearl Jam albums to this point. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact that there are some songs where, you know, like in Why Go in the intro or the main riffing garden or how kind of even flow could tilt either way. I think there's a number of, of flashpoints that are that that absolutely are better from Rick. I think mm-hmm. man, the ending of Jeremy is so much better with Rick. I, w- I would say that overall how the instrumentation sounds and how all those things are separated i prefer and makes me feel like it's a closer album to verses as you alluded to what, what, what do you think it's, it's very hard for me to say because i do love the original version as well it, it's give and take I, I think uh it's impossible for me to listen to either version now without preferring certain elements and portions of tracks on the other don't you have and, a, and a, like a playlist that, that I, combines I, I, the two? No. Um, you should. I, <laughs> I, I have both mixes. Just Okay, so I have both mixes, one after the other, on a playlist. Mm. And uh, what I'll oftentimes... And in between them, I have the, all the B-sides from there. But uh, I think that it, it's hard to separate that. To mix them up with the, the, the lack of continuity with the soundscape, I think, would really throw me off. Mm. So I, I would probably have a hard time listening to it that way but for the most part i, I kind of feel as though that the experience is just if you think too much about it it gets frustrating because you, yeah. you're never able to truly enjoy either mix anymore um so i think that i just kind of get into the headspace of saying okay i'm going to put on the the, the parachute mix and and i just live in that nostalgia or i put on the new one and i just hunt for new sounds it's almost like a chance to rediscover the album. And I think if if you take that approach when you listen to these two mixes, you'll always enjoy them for what they are, and you'll never spend any time worrying about what they've lost from each other. Well, I will say uh, in closing here that um, whenever I go back to listen to 10, I have for a long time, probably since the remix came out, listened, if I was listening to the album, listened to the Brendan O'Brien remix. And I think what this experiment showed me is that I need to go back and listen to the original more often because there are far more um, portions and uh, moments in this album that I prefer from Rick Parisher than I thought that I did. And so I'm glad I did this not only just to kind of contrast the two and compare the two, but to to re um, to relove those moments. Yeah. Like the like the ending of Jeremy, like it, it was stark. The ending of Jeremy for me, which is and I love that song. It's the song that got me into the band. So for that, I, I say I appreciate Rick. Um, I appreciate Brendan for what what he's able to do with the moments that needed it. And um, listen to both, gang. Listen to both. Let's go to our lyric of the week. Of course keeping in uh, tune with the motif of the month. We're sticking to 10 and we're going deep. On the edge, a window cell. Ponder says make up. Ponder says will. To the street below. He just ain't nothing. But he's got a great view. And he sings. Alright, Paul. Deep. Um, there are three verses in this song. All three 
are living in the same kind of headspace, but all three are different stories. We've chosen the first one here. What are your thoughts? You know, um, there's, there's an element in this track about being about as low as you can get. And I would say that the very first one is as low as you can get because the subject in the first verse essentially has given up on the greatest gift any of us will ever have, which is life. And the subject has decided that he has no value and, and uh, he's got a great view, you know, and, and, but, but the decision of what to do with himself amidst that view is what's most troubling. And it's, it's, it's not a great view. If the reason you're up there to see it is for that intention that that underlying intention. And so I, I've always found this to be a, a troubling song because it, there's an element of hopelessness to it. And there, there's not a lot of, of saving grace. And, and I think that a song like that written today would have a, a different tone. But at this point in the band's career and where Eddie was at when he wrote the song, um, you know, there was a lot of loss. I, I feel as though these guys watched people their age pass on far sooner mm. and, and far more often than, it, yeah. than any young person should have to. Um, so to that end, uh, I think that this song, it, it's very real. Um, if there's an authenticity to it that can't be denied and, and should be acknowledged, but um, it's just, it's a hard song to listen to, you know, it, when you sit with yeah. the lyrics and, and you just think of these little vignettes and, and um, these, these people that are either giving up, or have become so disillusioned and full of despair that they, they just kind of leave themselves. Um, and, and, you know, the idea of a view I thought was interesting is particularly the way that it plays in the third verse, which, which I know we're not going to talk about too much tonight, but uh, this particular set of lyrics here at, at the forefront to open the song, it does a, a very, ex, it does a fine job of painting the dismal picture that is to ensue. So, Yeah. Um, I mentioned the three different stories, but they all kind of live in that same headspace. Um, it's pretty obviously about someone, as you said, it's just so despondent that they're looking out uh, at the world from their room. Hell, maybe literally standing outside on their ledge, on their windowsill, as Ed writes it. Um, first of two songs in a row, he mentions windowsill. It's interesting. I always find it interesting that he said windowsill. It's a very odd word to say twice in, a, in, in two songs. The idea of wondering about life to the point of questioning God or whatever his maker, it's sort of an open-ended word maker. And then ponders his will. I tend to think that Ed switches up what his refers to and instead of yeah, it being, is, is the his the subject like right. the, am i pond, like how exactly. much control do i truly have over my life or i think is it's it, the other or it's the other right? i think it's the other i think i think i think the subject is now the maker so the subject the, is pondering the, will of the, the maker's will what why why is this happening to me exactly um like what the fuck like why why am i in this bad situation is this what you wanted i'm in hell what why would you put me here that kind of thing um and he's He's nearly done with this world, it seems, because he he feels the street. He feels it below, but it, it doesn't just think nothing of him. It thinks that he's not even that. And I know Ed uses a double negative here, and the English majors out there, you included, um, might think that he means that the street 
um, thinks he is something, but I'm assuming Ed is going in the nothing man route, you know? And again, he's, um, is that the subject or his maker? I think it could be both. And um, the subject is looking down at the society he's fallen out of favor with in his eyes. And his maker is looking down on him, presumably with contempt, according to him. So what's there left to do but to sink that needle deep into his arm and slip away into the heroin abyss for a little while? And it's a really, it's really sad to think about someone in this situation to think of that this is the only one of uh is only one of three depressing stories in the whole song and um it's just it's the most real and it's the most um what's the word i'm looking for it is the most um troublingly troublingly um prescient song of the time considering their contemporaries and yeah. how we ended up seeing guys like Scott Wyland and Oh, um, Andy Wood. I mean, <laughs> the, well, right. And, I mean, and, and Ed didn't even know him, but he, he knew the story. Right. And then of course he's kind of uh, projecting uh, Lane Staley as well. Um, and just, it's a, it's a, it's a heavy, I mean, most of these songs on this album are heavy, yeah. but the fact that this is the second to last song on the album, it's the last heavy song on the album. It's, it's, you know, quote unquote, the weakest song on the album, but there's some heavy shit here, man. I'm with you. Well, we should listen to the best live version of the song in our live cut of the week. Part of the week, we are going to a place we've been before, and it's a lovely place. We are going to the vault, my friend. Mm. And we're going back to the vault, and uh, it, it's hard not to when you think about the quality of um, of mix and mastering that you get from the soundboards here. Um, I just I have a hard time not thinking about the more theater show and and how to me it's that it's look it's not the quintessential 10 show the way that folks talk about unplugged or or um you know Up in the park. pop and things like that right but i do think that for a song like deep which what wasn't played quite as often obviously mm. as, as some of the aforementioned tracks we've already spoken about if you're looking for the best version of this song from that era i don't know how you don't pull it from here so all right, well, let's go to January 17th, 1992 in Seattle. Ah,
This song, my friend, has been played only 210 times. But to that end, you, you, to your point, you said the contemporaries. Mm-hmm. You know That just further underscores the location of where this song is being played. Yeah. Um, and this version, it sounds like the album, but live, it, if, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. all the little twists and turns, the vocal inflections are there. It's one of the more accurate representations of a studio song live that I've heard from them. It's nearly note for note. And that's something else because of how powerful the song is that they were able to, at least in this moment, give you exactly what it is. Yeah. And I think that there, it, I mean, we know that there are tons of shows from 91 92 i've got a bunch on my on my itunes here none of them are nearly the sound quality so it's hard to equate them but when you get a version like this 
where Ed is able to capture what he captured on the record in the live setting. When you get multiple takes at something and then you pull it off in a way that's nearly identical. It's powerful. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I I appreciate um, this best cut. I know we've gone to the well here a couple of times with this show, but there's a reason. And um, man, if we could only have a few more soundboard cuts from 91 that'd be amazing yeah wouldn't it right (laughs) (laughs) oh man well gang that's the show um we've come to the end of episode two of five of ten month and uh we're gonna be talking about um a couple uh, a couple of big tracks a couple of big tracks from the album um unto themselves on episodes coming up the rest of the month we will of course be doing our retracking of 10 that'll be a peach god help us um, hey god help us there's no right answer there and uh i'll do my best to create a uh, create a story probably won't but we'll, i'll give it a shot and um maybe some special guests maybe we'll get um somebody who's very important to the history of the band i don't know i'm throwing i'm throwing things out there we'll see what happens but um i'm excited my the- interest has peaked <laughs> the intrigue is palpable <laughs> palpable <laughs> this is a great word well Isn't um it? My martini is done. I think your scotch is done. Yeah. And um, you, you, you heard that, right? Huh? Yeah, it's empty. There's, there's the, uh, there's the, there's the glass. We're all done, gang. So if you could uh, just go ahead and do us a favor, get on your platform of choice: Apple, Spotify, Google, whatever. Give us a review. Give us a little like. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Get on your Facebook. Get on your Instagram. Give us a follow. The algorithm. The algorithm. The math. Give it to us. We the need math. it. We need you. That's a new one. The math. Feed the math. <laughs> feed the math. Hashtag feed the math. Put it on a t-shirt. Maybe we will. <laughs> Until next week when we continue with 10 month, you have been listening to The State of Love and Trust. Yeah.